and welcome to the DBSA podcast. I'm Sarah Wendell from Smart Bitches Trashy Books, and this is the last of the RWA interviews. This was a very long conversation over the course of about two hours, well lubricated by Corona, with authors Molly O'Keefe and Stephanie Doyle. And we talk about romance, what romance teaches us about sex, and how being a Rita nominee makes you feel about eh, two or three hours before the Rita ceremonies. This is a long podcast, but I really enjoyed the conversation, and I hope you do as well, especially when we disagree about the different things that romance does. The music you're listening to is provided by Sassy Outwater, and I'll have information at the end of the podcast. And I have words from our sponsor. Are you ready? Harlequin has some things that they'd like you to know. For example, are you looking for your next favorite author? Look no further. Are you looking for contemporary romances that are authentic, funny, and undeniably addictive? They can help you with that, too. Visit harlequin.com slash love you can believe in, and you can find your next favorite contemporary read. If you need recommendations, feel free to email us, because we read a lot of contemporary romance. Because, you know, it's one thing we agree on, Jane and I. And now, on with the podcast, where Sarah and Stephanie and Molly talk about sex and other things, but mostly sex. So I'm here with Molly O'Keefe. And Stephanie, do you want to be part of the podcast? No, no. Okay. It's your interview. I'm here to No, 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 no. You, should, you should enjoy. You should you just, Yeah. Introduce yourself. Uh, Stephanie Doyle. Rita nominated. Rita nominated Stephanie Doyle, <laughs> who's been very cool all day. Thank you for reminding me <laughs> of that. Molly. Rita nominated Jimmy Choo Wary. <laughs> Jimmy Choo Wary. Stephanie Doyle. Who, like, fights crime. Stephanie Doyle. That's... It's like a crime-fighting yeah. game. Yeah, I had kick-ass. We're also here with Coronas. Yes. This is going to be a really good interview. What, what do you think of the, the big change the, the, that they pulled romantic elements? Sorry? Yeah. I was actually talking to, to, to the staff today about that. It was really interesting. The Golden Heart, strong romantic elements for the Golden Heart next year is gone, but it's going to be available for next year, 2013, but then the 2014 it will be gone as a reading category because there are people who have 2012 pub dates who are planning on submitting, and so it's sort of unfair to take it away, so right. giving people at least a year's notice. But a year in publishing land is actually more like two. Right. right. I think it makes a lot of sense because originally it would have been chiclet and mysteries with a romance thread or urban fantasy series that didn't quite fit into paranormal or series where there was a romance that bloomed over several books and like book nine they finally get together that would be the romance one but because chiclet is not so popular anymore because women's fiction has moved away more i think from romantic elements it's sort of like this catch-all category and you end up with a situation like this here one of the books that's nominated for best first book is not a romance the heroine is a mistress of the king and she dies as syphilis Awesome. Not ever after. Exactly. It's like if it had been Nicholas Sparks wrote a historical romance, this is what it would be. <laughs> he went to war. And yeah, exactly. Syphilis. And the thing is, and then though, they both died. I know it was so beautiful. I can't wait till Miley Cyrus is in the movie. Right. And the thing is, the person who reviewed it for me was like, I don't know what to do. This is an amazing book. She said when she was reading it, she actually would stop reading and have to like shake her head and be like, okay, I'm back in the 21st century because it's incredibly beautiful. So much detail and the people are like incredibly vivid in your mind and you're actually sort of transported. Like, you know when you read right. a book and you're transported into that world and then you stop reading and you're like, oh. Yeah, oh, it takes a second. Right. I'm My on, life I'm on, a, <laughs> I'm on a plane with smelly people. It was right. much better than I was reading. I'm going to go do that some more. It was like that for her. She said, as a novel, it's an A minus. As a romance, it's a D. It's not a romance. There's no romance. She's a mistress to a king. Sex is a transaction. Things are th- things are happening to her. If she has any attachment to anybody, it's a transaction. Right. It's not a relationship. She's looking for protection. And, and, and this is all true. But she's a real historical figure. She was the mistress yeah. of a king. And so you can make this beautiful, opulent portrait, but that's not going to make it a romance. And the theory that we were talking about in the comments was that that was probably nominated for Strong Romantic Elements. But it didn't make Strong Romantic Elements. However, it did make Big Best First Book. Right. But, that, but it, I mean, my, my feeling about yanking the romantic elements is that why are we 
why exclude now? Like, why are we excluding, you know? I think it became a catch-all for things that aren't romance. But, but that seems like an error on the entrance part. Well, so, I, I mean, I, because a lot of the other books that, that I feel Deanna like... Deanna Rayborn. Deanna right. Rayborn. Uh, Barbara... Uh, Barbara O'Neill. O'Neill. Barbara O'Neill. Um, yeah, I mean, those books, that, that's, that matches it. And those are great books. And, and I would think that as... I don't know. I'm, I'm not convinced that this was the best call. I, I think, and it, it's interesting because I think RWA is transitioning into not just a powerful romance organization, but in a lot of ways the most powerful writing organization. You know, romance is driving the market. Ro- you know, RWA is our organization. Mm-hmm. And, if, and, and, and I, while I completely agree at, with Sarah, because I'm going to agree with everything Sarah says, because. Um, I actually have a lot of weaponry in my room. Right. And what you can't see is Somebody that help us. crossbows and the, um, I have a couple swords and they're pointed slightly in her direction. So consider that as you know, part of the reason. I just think the more people that recognize this organization, the more people we bring in, the more people, you know, I think the bigger it becomes. I think it, it legitimizes in a lot of ways all of the romance yes. by saying, hey, this is a great historical fiction book, and what does she want to do? She wants to be a part of our R-W-A. organization, yeah. and, and she wants to win one of our readers. And you're right, it's not, maybe maybe that's what the category that we need, you know. The thing, not the romance. So, you know, I not strong that, romantic elements, but okay, everybody, you want to put your book in the other romance, you know, yeah, other right. book category. The romance light. Romance-ish. Right? Romance-ish. There is Romance-ish. sex in the book. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And I think that's Books what happens. Well, why isn't there an erotica category? I mean, the answer, I think, was that the all of the Rita categories are open to all heat levels, including inspirational, which I find so awesome. But the the heat levels are open to all, right. all entries. And that, that makes sense because erotica grows. There's no historical erotica and historical romance. There's contemporary future paranormal right right like what is sylvia day what is bear to you is that, a, is that an erotica or is it a contemporary romance yeah. with hot, hot scenes yeah and especially with 50 shades bdsm is not going to grow the way paranormal romance has mm-hmm. but erotic romance can grow right. the way paranormal has to include things like bdsm and emotional dark sexuality and then happy, fun, goofy sexuality. I mean, there are people who have sex happily. And I happen to love romances where... <laughs> happy happy sex. sex? Happy sex. Where it's Only sex. sad sex for me. <laughs> dark misery sex where you can't control your nethers that just run away and you can't you're attached to them so you have to go too, but you just you can't control yourself. Um, as, a, as a question, as a side question, how many times do you think in your life you've said nethers? Oh, God, I don't think I can count that. Is that high. like a word you use a lot? Nethers? Nethers? Yeah. Ne- your nether regions. Well, it's it's a historical romance word. Her nether folds. Yeah. Her, yeah. her glistening <laughs> nether regions. Yeah. Nether. Yeah, it's just not a sexy word No, it's all. not, yeah. but neither is, you know, coochie. Coochie. <laughs> I like coochie. Yeah. I like coochie. He reached out and fumbled her chicken. <laughs> <laughs> It is interesting because there's really only so many, and, and it's funny, oh, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I'll, I'll euphemize it to not get an NC-17. Oh, no, it's, it's, at this point, um, the, iTunes came after us because the word bitches was a headline, so we had to change it to DBSA instead of Dear Bitches Smart Authors. At this point, I'm like, you know what, iTunes, fuck shit, cock, goddamn hell, bitch, whore. I have seen you of Nethers. Nethers. What was I read? Read that, and as a woman reading that in a romance novel, oh, yes, I've seen that. You know, and it's like, and again, it was definitely skewed erotic, erotic yes. romance. But it was like, oh, you can't, you can't use that word. I mean, we all somehow are offended by it, but at the same time, I think it's, it's just lifting, lifting, just yeah. like we lifted the mystery off the word cock. We're going to probably lift it off the that word, word too. My theory with the word cunt is that. It is a hard consonant word to describe the female sexual organ. Right. Which is soft and mushy. And think about <laughs> all the words that are used in erotica to describe vagina. Pussy. Oh, yeah. Right. Slit. Folds. All of these S words. All of the softer. And there's right. a word in that in speech therapy, and I can't remember what it is, but there's, those are different kinds of consonants. Cunt is like cock. It's a hard start and hard finish. And the N and the C are the only difference, the vowel and the N and the C are the only differences between those words. So it's the equivalent to cock. If you're going to use the word cock instead of, say, you know, manhood, right. 
schlong. I need a romance with schlong in it, by the way. But if you're going to use the word cock, cunt is sort of the answer because of the hard consonants right. that makes it less of a... It, nothing else means cunt. Like, you use that right. word, it's not right. like it's referring to something else. Pussy could be my cat. Right, right, right. It could be the, the plant with the fuzzy balls on it. Right. So I think that that word is becoming normalized because if you're trying to write a sex scene that's very um, gritty and hard and dark and... and, and yeah, it's an edgy word. Yeah, it's, it's very it's, edgy. It's got a lot of yeah. baggage attached to it. Well, let me it. ask this. Where do you think the level... Of sex now that we've taken the veil off BDSM. Uh huh. Did I get those words right? Right. right. Order? Yes. B S T E M. BDSM. Bisdom. Spanking. Um, where Where do we stop? I mean, clearly, and the numbers bear this out from the conference. Erotica. You know, the it, Fifty Shades of Grey isn't over. Nope. That erotica is just absolutely selling like hotcakes. Yep. Everything. My bangs. Megan Hart. Yep. I mean, just flying off yep. shelves everywhere. You know, as Molly and I were saying, we've got one horny country, yep. you know, on our well, hands. I think that there's a reason for that. Where's, where, but where's it going? You it's know, very I mean, hard to predict, but here's my theory. When I was doing the interviews for um, Beyond Heaving Bosoms, I interviewed Emma Holly. And she's been writing erotic romance mm-hmm. for a really long time. And she told me in 2009 that conservative administrations are great for erotica. Because the more you're being told what you shouldn't be doing with your body, the more you're like, you know Right. What do I want? Right. So now we have state and federal legislation about what we can do with our bodies in terms of birth control, in terms of abortion, about what doctors are allowed to tell us. And if you read the news or you watch the news and you are of a political mindset that that's not okay, it's like incredibly threatening to your body. So like yeah. I'm 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 pretty liberal person and my feeling is how dare you get out of my uterus, it's mine. But if I lived in a different state other than New Jersey, I would not have an access to abortion. Doctors might be limited in what they can tell me about my own health. And it's, 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 it's very threatening. So here's this literature that's like, oh, time out here. Your right. sexuality is important. Your orgasm is important. We're going to explore all of the things that turn you on. And you're going to be able to read about any sexual thing you want with no judgment. Including homosexuality. Including gayness. Including yeah. BDSM. Including, right. and, and it's and one of the things that makes me insane is the sort of mainstream media, submission is anti-feminist. Actually, submission is not anti-feminist. Right. Agreeing to submit is incredibly feminist because you're deciding to do what's right. Yeah, it's for a decision. It's a decision. Yes, and it's an empowered right. decision. Right. The other thing about submission is it answers the fact that women never do just one thing. No one ever asks a guy oh. who's a CEO, well, how do you manage it all? They always ask the woman, how do you manage it all? You know why we're managing it all? Because our orgasm becomes like 52 on the list of things we have to do right. that day. Right. And here is a form of literature that's saying... Your sexuality is important, and it's important for you to understand what turns you on. So, for example, humiliation BDSM does not work for me. I don't like pain BDSM stories. I don't think that it's erotic when pain is inflicted on somebody else. But that totally works for somebody else, reader. Whatever turns your engine, you go. It doesn't work for me. However, there are erotic stories that I find incredibly amazing. Right. I find that stories about a character, and it doesn't have to be the woman, who is learning about a sexual act that's somewhat unknown or different, that's incredibly empowering for any reader because they're going to learn about BDSM or bondage play or anything, or anal sex. They're going to learn about that along with that character. There is, in my mind, very few venues where women can learn openly about their own sexuality. Oh, my gosh. Well, it's, I mean, it's, I mean, it's so, it's so judgmental. 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 It's so judgmental. And I mean, it, I, I've always loved the idea of romance novels and, and, you know, particularly now erotic as like subversive feminist documents, mm-hmm. you know, like, come on ladies. It's, you know, it's okay to be happy. It's okay to be horny. It's okay to choose love. Yes. It's okay, it's okay to, to not I, choose love. Or, I would just really like to have sex. Could we just make that happen? Right. And I also think that the, the other... The powerful thing about, you know, for me as a reader, the BDSM part of it is like that, and the submissive part of it is is like, okay, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna have to really, make, yeah, I'm I'm gonna just lie here, or I'm gonna sit here, or I'm gonna do whatever, and you're gonna do all these things to me, and an orgasm will be delivered, right. and, and I won't think about my kids or the groceries <laughs> or the you know because I. It is, you are delivering me into orgasm. And I think <laughs> there was that, an app for that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> over it. But I think it's that's called the vibrate mode now. <laughs> but I 
think that was my my huge problem uh, with Fifty Shades of Grey in that obviously it's a book that's captured national attention and, and that's awesome and obviously it's going to create an opportunity for other authors and I love yeah. that. But the thing I had, the biggest problem I had with it was her and her, you know, hey, I want you to, you know, sign this and it was kind of like, you know, he has the one scene where he spanks her and it was like, she's turned off by it, okay? Oh no, I don't like it. I do like it. I don't like it. I do like it. I don't like it. It's like, look, if you like to get spanked, you like to get spanked. Let's sign the contract and move on. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, that was... She was a big ball of ambivalence, but, that one. But, yeah. but yeah. romance, and especially, you know, Loki, romance Loki. that's coming out now, I love that, that, like you said, that women are taking ownership of their sexuality, they're enjoying their sexuality, it's not Our this... Pants are okay. Right, I don't have to be pushed into, you know... It's like, I want to be pushed up against the wall and screw the hell out of me. But that's what my choice is, you right. know what I mean? And, 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 and that character in that book, it was just a, I don't know what I want, and I don't know if I should do this, and I don't know if I like it. And, and it was all because in her mind, you know, well, this is bad because he wants to spank me. But you were turned on by it. Yep. So what, what are we talking about? Or own your orgasm, girlfriend. Yeah. Did, you, did you feel growing up reading romance novels that that's how you learned about sex? Totally, totally. And... I, I agree totally, and the euphemisms then, right? Like the you know, it, and and how vague it was. He I, burst like a ripe melon within <laughs> her. Rebecca Brandywine. <laughs> oh, you, you just you guys did a podcast on where the hymen is, and I honestly just learned for the first time from Sarah. Right, and Jake, where the hymen is? Oh my I was like, God! Hello, what? how many times? It's like it's halfway, halfway up. That's right. Oh. He's got to be inside. It's Cullis of the canal. So, so did I learn everything I know? And you know I was so embarrassed so listening funny. to that. I, I went through infertility to have my older son, and so I was like hyper attuned to everything that was going on down there. What is my ovaries doing right now? How many follicles do I have? And I was like taking pictures. I got ultrasounds and shots in the ass. So I became hyper attuned to what my actual physical menstrual cycle is because I was trying to pinpoint when I could get pregnant and why I couldn't. And, and it was like 18 months of all of this attention focused on my down there. I learned all about the vagina. I learned things about the vagina that didn't have anything to do with the fertility because I was hanging out with doctors who spend their whole day looking at vaginas right. all day. So I learned all of this stuff. And when we started doing that on the podcast, and I wrote an article about the hymen. I wrote articles about the, about the vagina. And people would email me and they said, I just, I just want you to know I didn't know that. Yeah. I had no oh idea. God. I had no idea. I'm, you know, and I'm really embarrassed that I didn't know. And I remember saying to my husband, "Why do I know this? Is this infertility?" And he said, "No, I think it's infertility." And you read a lot of romance. Oh. Okay. So yeah. infertility plus romance equals pretty much a biologically accurate portrayal of the of the vagina. Just romance? Do you think there's all mm-hmm. kinds of crazy portcullis section? And I, you know, I certainly won't speak to anybody else's first time, but when you've read romance from the time that you're oh, you, yeah. and you get to the actual time, the actual the, time, the, the, and you're like, like, this is not good. <laughs> <laughs> you, you lied to me! <laughs> Romance and women owning their orgasms and stuff like that. The kid, the, the younger generation reading these books, I feel like are getting, like, I just thought, oh, well, I'll, everybody have an orgasm. It just happens, right? right? There's the melon bursting and you just have an orgasm. And, and it was, you know, it was a, a well, you process mean after work? that. There's work, work. to that too. There really is. Yeah, and I just well, think that's Where's the orgasm sort of delivery surface? That's right. BDSM. This is what happened when romance writers have beer. It's awesome. I know we really. Are, we're, what are we? <laughs> are we? Did you want? Did you want me to tell you about my? Oh, you're yeah, talking about your books. Right. Talking about your books and your sex life. You didn't know that. I've been listening a lot to um, Dan Savage's podcasts mm-hmm. about sex, and he's he answers a lot of questions about sexual practices that I've never even heard of. Like, there's a term called bader. These are people who like to masturbate. Sex with another person involved touching them doesn't do it for them. Only masturbation. I was like, there's a word for that. That wait, that's a thing. Wow. Okay. You know, and I'm and I'm so used to reading about sexual things that don't necessarily do it for me, but clearly do it for somebody right. else because I've read so much different types of romance. I'm like, all right, whatever, whatever, whatever works for you. But I saw him speak 
at the American Library Conference, National Conference last year. And he was their keynote speaker. And he was actually talking more about the It Gets Better videos, which yeah. are gay people talking to young gay teens saying it gets better, you know, it, it is okay, you are not abnormal, it's okay. And one of the things he said was the power of YouTube and the fact that so many kids have phones and laptops and ability to reach YouTube is that even if their parents are trying to keep them from being educated about being gay, we're getting to them anyway. Right. You can't stop us from telling your children who might be gay that as gay people they're alright and right. it's going to be okay and it's going to get better and I thought that's kind of what happens to romance because if with romance if you grow up in a home where your sexuality is not something that you're taught about and guys are taught about their dicks in all kinds of terrible ways like yeah you know it's good to, to well because for them it's right there yeah one day it springs up and you like, have hello? to hello and you have to deal with it yeah. yeah and it's not a mystery how it works it's all external you see in it but there's also a, 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 I have two boys, and so I've been reading a lot about educating boys about their sexuality and puberty, and so much of the predominant message to boys is it doesn't matter what you do with it, just stick it in as many people as you want, that makes you a stud. Right. And you're, it's okay if you treat the women who let you do that badly. These are not things I wish to pass on to my children. Romance is getting to young women, no matter what the restrictions are on their education, this is how sex works, and this is how relationships can work positively. And this is how, and sometimes the portrayal of orgasms are wonderfully accurate, like they don't orgasm at the same Daytime. time, and the sun doesn't explode. Right. And, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot more of, of you know, going down on a woman, and that's like, oh well, my God. Yeah. And the guys the are like, this Sarah is the greatest book, thing. Right? The Sarah yeah. Mayberry yeah. book. Where, yeah. It was hot. It was hot. Oh, her, her best, worst mistake? Yeah. yeah. He's like, I need a moment alone, because there's mangoes, and you just stay right there. And there are men who like that, and, and we're educating young women with these accurate portrayals of sex that do include the right information, whether their parents like it or not, and I find that tremendously excellent because, God forbid, more young women have a first time that's painful and awful because right. they don't know how sex works. Right. I just did a scene, though, where you know they're having sex, and for all these emotional reasons, she's checking out because the fear is just getting too intense. Of course, of course. And at one point, I have her laying down there, and it's just like, okay, I'll just, I'll fake it. Right, and I thought, how many of us, you know, have at some point in time just been like, right, right, here we go, go you know, and I just want to go to sleep. And, and if I say it's not happening, he's gonna feel bad. And I, and I, I thought that's that's. You I know. never fake it, <laughs> Adam. If you're listening, I never fake it. <laughs> but I just want you to know, my husband's named Adam too. <laughs> oh no. That just got awkward. That, that also applies to me here. <laughs> But that's, that's, you know, I thought that it, it's like, I think I'm done with trying to pretend that I know it's a fantasy, and I know, and yes. it can be, and of course, you know, because in a romance novel, he ends up recognizing that she's checking out, because you know how men are so oh, in right. tune during the moment, you know, and, and, and he does, you know, kind of push her, and I, but I, but I do want to, I am done portraying sex as as always perfect you know he Simultaneous. comes and she comes and, blah, 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 and there we are and, and, and she think, always comes again when he comes yeah and i think That's Sarah, right. I mean, sometimes you're like can we just get to the right spot yeah yeah I, I i i'm intrigued by this now too i'm i'm the, the heroine for the next book is you know she's going to say to him before they get together she's like i'm done putting on a show man i put on a show too much that's and, so yeah. awesome. Can you please tell us about this book? Because I want to read it now. <laughs> but I actually want to hear about both your books with orgasms that are, that are terribly realistic. And I think it's awesome that women, that romance writers are portraying sex more and more accurately. Like, if we're going to get BDSM accurately and we're going to have people who actually practice BDSM right. writing it so that it is real and you understand that there's training and education that goes into this and you just don't roll up with a whip and be like, yeah, shh. But if we're going to portray sexual practices realistically that we're going to portray sex realistically and make it okay right. oh my god that's so awesome i well i think it's i you know the you know cecilia grant's book about you know the, the her first book where they oh, perfect example. yeah where you know that she agrees to have sex she wants to have a baby right. to keep the land it's a day just come on over. yeah and she's not she's this is it's not, about, not about enjoyment and i just thought it just sets you up for so much interesting storytelling when sex becomes a part of the of the of the arc right it's not just a, you know part of the 
But if you can make it part of the arc, and now you know you think about making it part so of the conflict, brilliant. it's really cool. Right. It's, and it's sexy sex, right? I mean, that obviously was and not sexy sex. And it takes the tension. Like, so often it's like the buildup of the sexual tension, the only way to address it is with sex. Well, if the sex has always been there all along, how do you build the sexual tension and answer it? And the answer was conversations about land. Yeah. That's right. Cheese. Yeah. <laughs> the dairy, baby. Yeah. Not that I'm going to try to pimp my book again, but I totally, Please do. But I totally this am. is all about book pimping. At this time, <laughs> the book pimping will begin, and it is all good. <laughs> okay. But my next book, and I, I, I don't want to give away a, a huge plot point, but I will say it addresses male impotency. Ooh. And that was something, again, you know, how is this going to respond? How are people going to react to it? It's, But it's a thing. Some guys can't. And when you can't, and, and you're normal. trying to have a relationship, yep. wh- what do you do? And, you know, and I, and it was a huge, for me, it's one of my favorite things I've ever written because it was more so for his story. Yeah. Because that's something, you know, we always talk about romance from the perspective of the woman and her sexuality. But how often do we talk about the the man and and his sexuality? So that was, that was, you know, I really, I I hope, I hope I got it right. I don't know if a man is ever going to read it and go, oh, hey, you know. That's awesome. I think think he'll email you, Stephanie, you really (laughs) got it right. letter and I don't even remember who was writing the advice letter but I saw it tweeted and I read it and it was basically a woman saying it was an ethical call and I was like what well I want to break up with my boyfriend because he sometimes has trouble sustaining an erection and I'm over it and what are the ethics of breaking up with somebody because they can't do that the woman was like okay clearly your relationship's over and you need to break up with him but here's the thing you're going to have a really hard time finding a guy to satisfy your ideal because this happens to just about every guy. And if you are not willing to look outside of actual coitus as your source of intimacy, you are going to have a really limited sex life. And this guy, you should break up with him because he deserves someone better than you. I was like, nice. Burn! And she's right. Yeah. I wonder if part of his problem isn't the fact that she's She's an ass. She's, yeah. Mm -hmm. She's staring him with cold Right, yeah, and, she, and she's like, the only way you can satisfy me is if you have a, you know, a big stiff poker. And intimacy, especially especially with the Cecilia Grant book, it, it would, the thing that, that blew my mind about that book was that it portrayed intimacy, intimacy as something about other than sex. Right. It was about their being, his being intelligent and her being recognized for her wisdom about an estate, which is not supposed to have been her job. Well, and it's, it's about, I mean, the, I mean, the thing about... Romance is has always been about the connection between the, the characters, right? And and there's been a lot of push of late, you know, to get sex in, get sex in faster, more sex, more sex, more sex, faster, faster, harder, harder. Right. <laughs> That's what she said. But um, the the uh, that I feel like we've got to we've we've written ourselves and tells into corners yes. in some ways. It's hard it's to it's hard to get out of that. Yeah. So you have to figure out how to use the sex. So yeah. What is your next book, Stephanie? Before does it have a title? Is it contracted? Uh, yeah, it is. It's one final step, and it's out in October. Ooh, it's hard romance. Pimp for you. I think if you're a fan of Julie James, you're gonna like this. You're book. gonna like this book. It's is this a, one of the eighty-five thousand word supers? No, it's not. It's actually the last. I think it, it's the last. My last seventy-five thousand word. Um, it's only ten thousand words. Only ten thousand words. Different. And I, you know, I to me, I could stab a pot poker and people were like oh I'm so glad it's going to 85,000 because I'm always over and I'm never over ever so I'm always reaching you know we were talking about it was brought up like fleetingly in two different things that we were talking about but in this age of you know so many books and so much to weed through you know talking about curators Mm -hmm. do you feel like a curator I'm told that I am one but but do you like do you do you what's your thought on that tell me what you think about that I think there's How a about couple that? Of, question. All right. <laughs> I think there's a couple way to define curation. If I am exposed to an absolute massive number of books, even outside the romance genre, so I have a very wide knowledge of what's being published, and if your taste matches up with mine, and you just read the reviews of the books that I've read, then you're going to get a sense of what I like and whether or not you like it. And there are people who follow my reviews who hate what I like and like what I hate and just do the opposite of what I say. And then they're also very happy. But in terms of curation... There's also the people who email me and say, I'm kind of looking for a book that's like this. Do you have any ideas of what I could look like or what I could look for and what, what I might like? 
And then I may not have read all the books that I'm recommending, but I've heard enough about them that I right. can make an educated guess to match them up. And that's also another form of curation. But I'm not actually selecting, I'm just filtering information. So if you think of curation as like a museum curator who's going to create an exhibit and out of all of the masks in all the world, she's going to pick those five because she knows that matches her audience. Right. In that sense, I'm probably a curator in multiple different ways. But am I the only official voice on what's romance? Hell no. no. Yeah, no. Oh, and I'm also as full of shit as anybody. That's not like my word yeah, is Yeah, but, 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 but... I don't have an advanced degree in picking out your romances. Yeah, but I, and <laughs> I'll, I'll go a step further, and this is probably where my... Like, stop squeeing, but I will squeeze, because obviously, you know, I'm a fan. And I think what I... What stop I, squeeing. <laughs> <laughs> what I've gotten from Jane and you, and, and I don't know if it's a chicken-egg kind of thing, where all right. of these books started to come out, and you guys were just going, look at these books, look at these books. Right. Or if all of a sudden, you know... Sherry Thomas, Courtney Milan, like I, that's how I got into Dear Author and Smart yeah. Pitches when I, you know, when you guys were showcasing these really smart, really gutsy, really different Writers. books. Yeah. And, and now, does that make it possible for someone to take a flyer on Cecilia Grant, who's just, you know, just so out there? I mean, I don't know that an editor maybe five years ago buys that book and yeah. thinks that people are going to read it, but it is such a great book. And oh, so yeah. I, I look at you guys. Maybe in that sense of at Re least for me and my taste, the less discovered. Yes, and and, and changing mm -hmm. again for me, romance. Like this isn't this isn't the romances that I w was reading ten years ago. These women are smarter. Mm -hmm. These women are more powerful. Mm -hmm. These characters are more complex. You know, and I, I'll but, you know, I'll pick Molly's <laughs> book. I mean, I can't find me love. For me, is a game changer in in, in contemporary romance because it it has that <coughs> element of. You know, this isn't, this isn't, this isn't easy. This isn't, this isn't a pleasant journey along the <laughs> ride. It, awesome. It's not an easy ride. It is this up and down, gut wrenching roller coaster of a story that um, really, really says, "Hey, you know, this, this, this isn't, you know, this isn't what we've done before." And I like that. And I, and I don't know if you and Jane are responsible for that, or you guys are just showcasing it. But in that sense, I think as a curator of a you know, at least my museum. It's a museum <laughs> I want to go to. It's Stephanie Museum. It's Stephanie Museum of Romance. The funny thing is, between me and Jane, our, our tastes don't line up in a lot of ways. Like, what I like historically, she does not like. Um, what she likes in, in paranormal, I don't always like. She and I have very different tastes. The only time our tastes really line up is contemporaries sometimes. And even then, it's slightly off. So we are very cautious recommenders to one another. Like, if I recommend a book, and I'm like, I... Think you'll like it, right? Right. I'm going back to the, the like the, the the new dawn of the historicals, and I feel like contemporary to a lot of extent is 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 starting. It's, we're going to start seeing some. I mean, there've already been some great books, but they're they're buying more, and there's more stuff coming out. I, I feel like with historicals, you know, it took this big slump. It took a big hit a few years ago, and so for editors to go into those meetings. And say we're gonna buy this historical. Yes. That historical had to be out of the park. park. Yeah. And different. It had to be different and smart and out of the park. And the, this new age of historicals, all of you know, yes. Courtney and um, Meredith, Meredith, Sherry Thomas. Thank you for. Yes. Do you know about Juliana Gray? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, a lady never lies. I have heard buzz about it. A lady never lies, and a gentleman never tells. And a lady never lies. The hero is. Um, an inventor, sort of an engineer, and there's a it's Victorian. It's a oh, car race. That's where I heard of it. Because he's, car race, yeah. he's trying to he's trying to build a car, and there's a car race yeah. in the book of a car that he's built, like one of the first automobiles. Oh, so yeah. Cool. yeah. I heard you guys talk about it, so I put it on yeah. my I put it on my yeah. wish list. It's very cool, and I feel like to some extent we're going to start seeing that in some contemporaries now. Like things are the things that are. I mean, you're, you're there's there are the contemporary lovers that are going to love easy and not easy bad badly said but sweet sweeter stories right. right but there are also some contemporaries coming out right now that are you know unlikable characters and difficult storylines and it's a, a, a reality internal is, conflict and external conflict that's both really difficult yeah right. yeah so i feel like that's a, a new i'm excited should paranormal ever die down <laughs> it will. i'm ready for the rebirth it of paranormal will. yeah
your next book is uh, Can't Hurry Love is out on Tuesday. <gasps> Yay! Yay! Yes, I can start that. Anxiety all over again. Yes. <laughs> Isn't it nice to have back to back? It's so relaxing. Yeah. Yes. A couple of blog tours. Yeah, no big deal. Yeah. Some giveaways. Some good reads, you know. Some constant checking of and Amazon rankings. Then you do it again. Yeah. It's kind of like the period between Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's. Like, it is. Oh my God, can the parties just stop? I'm tired. I want to be in my jammies and stuff talking to people. Blog tour time. Yeah. But I, yeah, and I, but I, you know, I'm excited to get back to work, so I'm. That, that'll be good. And then the third book in that Crooked Creek series, which is Billy, Billy's story, that comes out at the end of January. It just got bumped up, so it's coming out at the end of January. So you have June, July, July and January. Well, end of June, so it's technically July. July, end of August. July, which is technically August, and then January, which is technically March, right? February. February, <laughs> right. Yeah. Or if, you, if you're familiar with the calendar. <laughs> you have the new book out on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. Eli and Victoria. The much, the much hated Victoria. That I have gotten more letters and feedback from people about because she's she's mercenary. And she's willing to sacrifice her own son and her own happiness. Yeah. Boy, they the, really <laughs> that it's okay. I think I think it's okay for her to sacrifice herself. But the fact that she subjects her son to unhappiness just made people insane. Yeah. Well, you know, you you, you know, my 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 theory with all of these these characters and it's not like I, you know I obviously wrote characters that I loved but if for a really satisfying arc in my you gotta you start, start you gotta start negative. yeah you gotta I start guess. off some kind of negative and I, I think and it's interesting when she said oh yeah people don't like Victoria I thought I love Victoria because I having read the second book what I taking what I knew from her out of the first book made the second story so much more satisfying because I really felt that it was this she was going to be redeemed. salvation of a character and I, I thought people in life go through really crappy stuff and they can be at rock bottom and and this was just such a overcoming of, of that and finding out who she was and standing on her own and you know, Molly Painter is this very thin, prickly, tight person, and it's so vivid in my mind. And to see her flesh out, both in you know physicality and in character, um, you know, for me, I just she she broke my heart. And it, it, that talk about a, a not an easy ride, but one when I got to the end, I was like, totally worth it. Victoria. So, do you think that readers are more accepting of? Of awful heroes to be redeemed than they yes. are of heroines to, yes. to be redeemed. Why do you think that is? Because women have to be nice. Women have to be no. Nice. Yes. Really? Yes. Yeah. I, I, I had no idea. Women have to be nice. Women have to be pretty. Women have to be you know all the complacent, complacent, and it's like you can take you know Zadist, you know I'll, 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 the most tortured hero of all time. And, Gets away. He's an asshole. Nasty, but give him, you know, you give him a reason, you know, and and it's okay. She had a reason, you know, she she had a reason, and I think that's that's it's an injustice when we look at sometimes I think heroes and, and, and I also think you know it's, I mean I, I do think the spectrum is growing. What what readers will read and, and like about a female character, it's really starting to to grow. There there there's more. I mean. For everybody that has not liked Victoria, I've, there are people who have liked them. So, but it, it, the spectrum is definitely growing. I think with men, with the heroes, you know that you know the alpha male, you know the alpha hole, right? Like that spectrum is so wide, and 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 so much so that a nice hero, a nice guy hero, is rare, and a, a, he's called a beta. Like it's, you know, so it, it is. I do think that they they want, and yet when we see romances, like when someone has ever asked me what's a beta hero. And people are trying to describe him like you know Chandler from Friends. He's a beta hero. Right. Is he's not mean. He's not dominant. He's not nasty. He doesn't need all the attention. But he's consistent and he's a good person. Right. You know. And when he got his romance, it was so. Satisfying. And she's the alpha, complete alpha, and that Monica being Monica the alpha in the relationship. She's the alpha. She's the alpha sister. She's the. Right. Well, she's. Ross tries to, but she's always like, yeah, whatever. She was the alpha in that relationship, but he was the one who was very constant. She was the one who wasn't sure that they should be public if I remember correctly and he was always like nope, you're it for me, we're done. Whatever. You know, and I also think that, I mean I don't know if it's because I'm a, a, a woman or the way that they crafted that story you know, it was Chandler Chandler, Chandler 
Chandler's that I was most interested in, yep. right? Like his, right. it was his, it was that. I was the did not care team. about Ross and Rachel. I was so over Ross and Rachel. I didn't care. Yeah. I wanted no. him. I, wanted I, 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 I totally love that storyline. Yeah. And the they way, didn't see it coming either. No, not they were bad, and I was like, and what? I'm sure, and I'm sure it occurred in a studio going, okay, well the Ross and Rachel things played out. What can we do next? Let's get Monica and Chandler together, you know. But the 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 arc of of their storyline was, and and like you said, I mean, and again, I think I liked it because she was, you know this hyper, high tense, you know. And she mellows out. And she really mellows him out and mellows out because of him. And I, it was, you know, their story was terrific. And you truly felt like, like she was starting to understand what it was like to be loved. Yeah. Really loved. And the safety of that because he'd been her friend before. You know, we were talking about um, difficult heroines. Yeah. Right? And part of the thing that works for, for me with a difficult hero and with, with love stories is that you match you match up you know, like you take Tara Jean right from Can't Find Me Love right like she's awful she's awful to him she's, she, she flip flops and she's wounded and she's awful to him and he goes to her and he says I'm in I'm, I, I'm in and I just thought how powerful is it yeah. that like that's the kind of love story that's so fascinating to me it's like how powerful is it that you can be awful I see it I get it I see yeah. through it. I know what you're doing. I'm still here. Yeah. I think that's a really, you know, and I think that was the, the to go back to Chandler and what's your name? Monica. Safety. Yeah. Like, there has to be this insane, right? Yeah. No matter he was like, I'm, I'm in. How ugly you get, no matter how ugly you act, I, right. I, I know why you're doing it. I forgive you and I still love you. That's right. right. Truly, that's the, that's sort of the unconditional ideal. Yeah. Not that you're going to, it's not that someone's going to love you. No matter what you do, that's not actually true. You can abuse a, a relationship right. until yeah. someone's like, "You know what? I don't want to be abused anymore, right. and I, I don't want to be the, the subject of your problems." But there is a love that that understands some actions and forgives them and is constant anyway. Right. Yeah, sort of the reverse. I think that's a powerful thing. I do too. And I think it's I think it's about time that romance especially contemporary romance, discovers and, and really looks at the difficult, redeemable heroine, the redemptive heroine, because all too often when you have contemporary romances and the, the model of the alpha male and the inexperienced, clueless female, or the, the female who is sort of, I, can, I consider it absorbed into his worldview, right. and, and right. He, she just moves into his world and nothing changes much for him except having to admit emotion. With the redeemable heroine, being irredeemable, being damaged being difficult comes with autonomy you already have autonomy if you're going to be difficult you can't be difficult because things are happening to you right you have to create some of your difficulty you know if some if bad things are happening to you and you're this sort of innocent glorious wonderful perfect thing then you know you're you're held up as a as a as a saint right or an ideal ideal but if difficult things happen to you and you are difficult right back that that's you own that. You you are you already have autonomy. Right. So the the arc of the character is not going to be attaining autonomy, and that's right. part of the origin of romance that the heroine attained autonomy in a lot of ways. But the difficult heroine, some way, she's already got it, and God knows you don't want her to give it up. You don't want her to lose her autonomy. That's right. not satisfying. Right. She has to adopt a different form of of, of self actualization, which is really hard, and that's a real challenge because that's not where. The bulk of romances start the heroine. Exactly, I agree. And I think that's something that really should be more explored in romance. I uh, I'll work on that. <laughs> <laughs> I think you already started, but you know, keep going. Well, I, mean, I do think it's. I, do, I mean, I. I mean, I, I've gotten a lot of support, and I do think the books are doing well, and, and people are excited about them. I and mean, people, I mean, there's been a lot of great reviews and, and things like that. But it, it is. You're a flavor, though. Your books are a flavor, and everyone say say everyone likes vanilla. Right. Your books are a flavor; they're not universally right, universally right. palatable. So you are a flavor. People who don't like difficult heroines are going to really dislike them, and people who want to relate to the heroine find her to be a malleable ideal that they can self-identify with. They're not right. going to like that. They're not right. going to they're not going to like having anything in common with that character because she's so difficult. But. I think that there is a growing audience for romance with a lot of flavor and a lot of spice. Yeah, 
yeah, I think the palate is yes, is, the palate yeah. is getting more sophisticated. We're not all eating like my like my son applesauce plain pasta and yogurt. Right, right. and that right. and that's why I think it's like there's room for that, and 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 I think it um, could be Indian food. Indian food of romance? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, you're the Indian food of romance. Because I think... And you're not just chicken, chicken masala either. Right, with butter chicken. I, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I'm, the really, I'm the really difficult stuff, the lentils and you're the one that, cauliflower. You're the, one, so. <laughs> you're the one that my local, this is true, my local Indian place, uh, Brick Lane, you have to sign a waiver because it is so hot you agree not to hold them responsible for any, wow. any amount of crying that you do. If you finish it, if you finish it, you go in the hall thing. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, you're the, you're the Penang. <laughs> You're the waiver side Penang. Curry I don't. That, that's that's food. I, I mean, I, you don't have to sign start. a waiver before you read Molly O'Keefe's books. <laughs> You're going ever, to cry, and you can't hold a response. I don't ever start the books thinking. That's I'm gonna rip your heart out. I'm gonna rip your heart out. You're gonna cry a lot. <laughs> no, I, I do. I, I do come out of thinking that way, and I think like the the Billy's book, the third book. Yeah, it, Just, like I. I cry at all of them. I'm not. I'm half a crier, half not a crier. But in, in Can't Hurry Love, that's coming out. There's this moment that you see coming, right? And you you, you just oh crap, just, oh crap, oh crap, oh crap. And I and it's like the screeching of the wheels starts a few miles. <laughs> right. Back. No, 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 it's coming. But I remember, and I, again, I, I quoting another podcast. I think Jane made a comment about, oh, it hurts so good, or maybe it was a review, and she did it about um, Sherry Thomas's the second book right. in the series. And yes. it was like, oh, it hurts so it hurts good, so good. You know, and, that was and, a review. And you just, it's the same. Uh, the same is true with that book. It's not going to be everybody's taste. It's yes. not the easiest book to get through because it's very emotional and gut wrenching. But I think we need. You know, I want to see, obviously, uh, as a reader, I want to see more of those books. Not that I don't every once in a while, like, you know, yeah. the, the, the fun stuff, the easy stuff. Oh, that was enjoyable, great. I, right. down. I don't know that I'm ever going to go. I don't go back a lot of times and reread those. I will go back a lot of times and, and, and read, you know, I Can't Hurry Love. A difficult and, emotion, but yeah. Well, the, the thing about romance that I love is that it gives you a very safe location in which to explore difficult emotions and scary things. Yeah. Because you know it's going to be okay. In the hands of yeah. a skilled writer, you know that it's going to be okay and it's going to be satisfying. So that you're going to believe that the horrible things that you experienced emotionally with the characters have come to an end and they're not going to happen right. anymore. Or if they do, it's, it's bearable. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I don't have a love of books where one or two good orgasms cures a massive psychological trauma. Like PTSD totally goes away right. with five orgasms. Right. <laughs> and a blowjob. And a blowjob. And yep. that's what we're doing at military hospitals. Lots. <laughs> lots. 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 We do not need therapists. We need blowjobs. Yeah, right. right. Bring in the prostitutes. I, I don't believe that you know really good sex is going to cure all of these horrible things, but I think that a good relationship makes those problems more bearable right. because you have somebody who can understand why you're right. dealing with these things. And... Those are the books that when you go back and look at them a second time, you begin to see more about the pattern of having of, of, of why those two people should be together because you see earlier on, already knowing what's going to happen, you see signs of things that are they're going to make the relationship even better. Sort of like with Chandler and Monica, if you go back to early seasons, you see moments of, oh, I never noticed yeah, that before, right. but they really were kind of setting it up long in advance. I mean, there are scenes in early episodes where you're like, oh, they're friends. When you know in the end that they end up together, you're like, wow. Oh. There's one scene in particular, of course, fascinated by Monica and Chandler, um, where she... They were a much better she romance. She teaches him... They, they changed. They did. They yeah. grew they, up. Yeah. She teaches him to have sex. Do you remember that? And it's like, yes! Oh, and she's doing a and diagram. Toes. And then two. And, 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 and I think about that all the time. I'm like, what a payoff! What if you could just sit down with your friend, explain how you would like him to have sex with you? Right. And Rachel's right, right there. And she's like, oh, toes! Some people... <laughs> and then his girlfriend comes in and, and says, Thank you. And that's all for this week's podcast. Thank you to Molly O'Keefe and Stephanie Doyle for joining me for a nice, long, and somewhat bubbly filled conversation about romance and all of the things we've learned from it. I had a lot of fun doing this and I hope next year when I go back to any conferences I can do more podcast interviews because this was a really fun way for me to grab people and ask them lots of nosy questions. The music you're listening to is Peat Bog Fairies. I bet you knew that. This is Room 215. 
This song is from their album Dust, and I'll have all of the information on where you can buy Pete Bog Fairy music on the entry for this podcast. That is, if you haven't already bought all the Pete Bog Fairy music, like I know many of you have, myself included. Another message from our sponsor, Harlequin, who is so awesome as to sponsor the podcast. Are you interested in riding into the sunset with a gorgeous cowboy? <laughs> who isn't? Giddy up and check out the Western themed romances from Harlequin. You can see them all online in one convenient location at harlequin.com slash westerns. And if you have a Western that you'd like to recommend, email us, because I confess I haven't read many Westerns. The next podcast from Jane and myself will be the two of us discussing cereals. And I don't mean like Fruit Loops and Apple Jacks. I mean serially published romances chapter by chapter. There seem to be a lot of them. We talk about whether or not that works for us and what that means in terms of how romance might be published in the future. And Lynn, if you're on the treadmill listening to the podcast, you're doing a great job. Keep working out. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and I wish you the very best of reading.